Thanks, Luciana. Luciana referred to the passage that we're going to read today and we're going to hear from Pastor Ryan as he shares from this passage in Matthew 7. It's in your bulletin. It's a very familiar story. Uh, When I lived in the Midwest, we had tornadoes. Not uncommonly, unfortunately, as we know there are many in the South in these days. But I remember we went to see the aftermath of a tornado once. And uh, in this uh, this one town we went through, um, the house, one of the houses was completely gone, but the plumbing was so good that the second story bathtub was still sticking up in the air. It was kind of amazing, even though the rest of the house was gone. But what lasts? And the title of Pastor Ryan's sermon this morning is Built to Last, and this passage refers to that. From Matthew 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. 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 It's good to be here. And I just want to thank uh, Middle Street Baptist Church for considering me and um, calling me for this um, opportunity to share God's word with you. I'm humbled by that, and I appreciate you. Um, Uh, My personal prayers are with Pastor Chris and his family. I thank God for uh, Deacon Dorn, amen, and and his lovely wife, amen. And um, also, um, Luciana did a great job. Sister Luciana did a great job kind of walking through the lesson today. Thank God for her. And I thank God for Sister Janet, amen. Uh, She was the first face I saw on my way into the church, and she was very, very hospitable. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And I'm grateful for all of you who are here today and all of you who are listening online out in Facebook or YouTube or whatever platform we're using. I thank God for for that. So I'd like to speak to you today on the topic of built to last. Built to last. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, I just pray that I decrease and that you may increase in your people hear a word from you and you alone. Pray, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit would reign, rule, and abide and have his way here in this service right now. Maybe not just hear a word, but a life-changing word, a word that stirs us to move in your direction. Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor in you alone. It's in the blessed name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. So you heard the scripture reading coming from the book of Matthew, uh, built to last. Nowadays, folks want things usually that are new. We appreciate new things. You know, it's a, we want a new song, new technology, new car. We like new things. 
And there's nothing wrong with having something that is new. It was good. It's good to get a new, a new car, new dress. Amen. It's, it's good to have some things that are new. But then again, there are some things that have been around a while that are older, seasoned, tested, that are just as valuable. And these things sometimes find themselves packaged in unusual ways. Like people. There are some people who are seasoned and veteran folk that are in our lives that have shared a word of encouragement and a word of wisdom over the years. For me personally, it was my grandmother sitting down at the dinner table. Across from that table, I received the wisdom of what it means to live for God and all sorts of lessons about life. Additionally, I would receive similar lessons with my grandfather when we would get up at sunrise to go out to the lake and go fishing. And I'm thinking it's all about just catching a few bass and trout and there are some life lessons that are being taught along the way. Spending time and learning from folks who are older is an important virtue, an important value that doesn't get old and go out of style. But for some reason, it's hard at times for younger people to actually see the benefit of the wisdom of someone who is wiser. We see this in the text in a way that Jesus Christ is on the side of a mountain and he's there with his disciples and he is teaching. Nobody's hurried for time. They're just sitting there letting the lesson unfold. And he's teaching about things that matter, things that cut straight to the heart. Stuff that really make good Hollywood movies if you really think about it. He's teaching about what it takes to be happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Goes on and says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Talks about, blessed are those who, th who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He teaches about anger, lust, divorce, retaliation. He also teaches about love, specifically about loving your enemies, something very hard to do, difficult to put into practice. Jesus goes on with his teaching, and he's, he's teaching, and he's exciting because these are things that we really want to know more about. We want to know more about investments. How should I invest my time in life? Where should I put my treasures, my energy? No more about giving and prayer and fasting. Jesus taught about judging, not having a judgmental spirit, judging other people. How can we see the speck in our brother's eye when there's a telephone pole in our own eye? He talks about that. Having a humbled self-reflection. He goes on and teaches about the golden rule and what it takes to bear fruit. 
And when you add it all up with all these lessons that he's, he's sharing, he's giving a blueprint on how to be built to last. How to build your life. Build your life rooted in him in such a way that you can last through the difficult challenges of life. And many of us in here today and online, when you think about it, you know that you have been shaken by some event on your faith journey. But there's something about the hearing of the word of God and the practicing of the word of God that has gotten you through. So we must not just be hearers of the word, but we must be doers of the word. He that hears the word is like a wise person. Wisdom comes from God. There's a lot of information out there, and, and it's good to be in the, the, the data, because we're in an era of big data, data analytics. The data is going to give us some information to extrapolate and make a decision. And knowledge is good, but being able to put that knowledge to work and practice takes wisdom. It takes wisdom, and wisdom comes from God. And... There is a comparison that's given in the lesson. There's the wise person who hears and puts these godly principles into practice. But then there's the person who hears only. Hear the word passively. Sounds good for the moment. It's, it's good advice, but I'm not quite sure if I really want to put that to the test. For whatever reason. A lot of us have various motivations. We have a choice to make. Will we do it the Lord's way or will we do it our way? The lesson really foreshadows what he would also teach when it talks about these different types of hearts. There was a heart that would hear the word of God and the devil would come and take it away because it wasn't rooted in faith. There was another heart that would hear the word of God, but that word would fall on a hard heart and wouldn't necessarily take root. There would be another heart that would hear the word of God and it would get crowded out by the concerns of the world. Too busy, got too many issues in life. Then there's another heart that would hear the word of God and it would land on good soil. There are those who are hearing the word and hold fast to it and an honest and good heart. And that heart bears fruit with patience. In Luke chapter 8, verse 15, you will find that reference. So we must not just be hearers of the word, but we have to be doers of the word. Putting the, the life lessons of Jesus Christ into practice. Practice. Please say that word with me today. Practice. Amen. Practice. Like the ballerina who spends all that time in the mirror just working on the moves and how to do the, the, the points, the point. You know, you point your toes and you stand on your toes. You know? Like the, uh, uh, a craftsman with all the tools and you're learning how to work with your tool set and to, 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 to know how to cut with a, a jigsaw or something like that. It takes some practice. 
takes practice, takes practice to actually learn how to forgive seven times, seven times, seven. It takes practice to learn how to be in a mature and growing and thriving relationship with your spouse. It takes practice to develop patience and to be long-suffering. It takes practice. So we must not just be hearers of the word, we need to be doers of the word. James in chapter one, verse 22 to 25 says, but he who does the word and not hears only, but he, but the doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he who looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Now can you imagine that? You look in the mirror and you look away, you forgot what you look like. That's what it is when you hear only. It's like, a, it's like cooking a pancake on one side only. Yeah. Half done or half baked. So in order to be built the last, we must be hearers of the word of God and doers of the word of God. To be built the last, we must understand that we need a godly house. Hallelujah. We need a godly house. A godly house is one of prayer. A godly house is one of fasting. A godly house, a godly house is one where the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the house. We need a godly house. We need a godly house. A godly house is a place of protection and safety. Man needs and a woman needs a godly house to shelter them from the storm and the tempest. You think about a house. A house is good for uh, protection, physical protection from the elements. A house is good for uh, protection from the rain and the storm and the wind. And we've had some pretty bad windstorms lately. You know, my uh, had a auntie Ree came by and she gave us these wind chimes. They're about you know this big, like five foot wind chimes, and we we have them back there in the backyard. I mean, you can hear that thing down the street with the wind, the wind blowing. I just, you know, the, the, the Bible says that the Spirit blows. I just think about the Holy Spirit. Every time I hear it, it's just a reminder that the Holy Spirit is, is present. So we have this, this protection from the uh, elements in a godly house. In a godly house, there is psychological safety. Psychological safety. When you come into the house of God, every man, woman, boy, and girl is nurtured and loved and cared for it in a godly house. Because we're doing things God's way. And even when you think about your own homes, when your children and your grandchildren come in with their head down, and you have been there to lift up their spirits, to encourage them, and to show them the right way according to the word of God. Not only that's, that, that's not how you are built to last, but you're sharing with the generation to come how they can be built to last. Modeling your faith as you walk through the different tests of, test of trials in your own house. 
In a godly house, there's psychological safety. In a godly house, there is spirituality that we believe that the Holy Spirit is there with us no matter what we're going through. Diagnosed with cancer, the Lord is with me. Lost my job, the Lord is with me. I'm having to work a full-time job plus take care of my ailing mother or father or grandmother or grandfather. God is with me. Don't know how I'm going to get these kids through college. God is with me. There is emphasis that we have a right standing with God. Godly house is built according to the instructions of God. Just like Noah built the ark. Noah didn't even know what an ark was. But God gave him what was necessary to build. You notice he built the ark that God told him to build. He didn't try to build it for somebody else. He built it for the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes, we specialize in trying to build somebody else's house. Like, you know, we play matchmaker and all that. Trying to build somebody else's house. Let's, let's build our own house. Can you say that with me? I'm building my own house. Amen. Amen. So to be built to last, we must understand that we need a godly house. And a godly house is also a place of rest. We, we should get rest. We should, it should be a, a, a place where people can come and rest from the worries and concerns of the world. People are worried about this vaccine. Folks are worried about what's going to happen with the economy when we come out on the other side. A lot of people are unemployed and the stimulus checks are holding things up. Children are worried about what school is going to look like in September, knowing what has been these, this past year. There's worry and, and stress hovering across this nation. But the people of God and the church and our own individual homes and wherever we are, our own personal church, wherever we are, there should be a sense of rest for those who come across our path. They should be able to see the hope of Jesus Christ through us because he is still on the throne. David said in Psalm 62, verses one and two, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. A godly house is a house of fellowship. We should want to see one another and be with one another and, and connect with one another. We should want to check on extended family and have our reunion. Even those whom we had fallen out with. Hallelujah. That's how your family is built to last. Big Mama and the saints of old knew how to do it. We can do it too. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, says Solomon. And behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. The only way to get a godly house is to build on the right foundation. Luciana had it right. We gotta have the right foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. 
And you know that. I'm preaching to the choir here. You know that Jesus has been the best thing that's ever happened to you. Gladys Knight sung about that. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And since Jesus Christ has come into your life, you've been able to carry the load and the burden in your own house. You've been able to, to stand against the forces that have come up against you. Since Jesus Christ has been in your life, you know that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am. Jesus Christ came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And look at you now. You're living a good life. Thanks be to God for that. To build in a way to be built to last, you have to have the right foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. We know that. But what about the generation that's coming behind us? Do they really know that? Do they understand it? Have they internalized it in such a way that they're making the right decisions and maturing in their relationship with the Lord? Are their priorities one that reflects that God is leading and guiding them? And if not, how can we influence that? We, the church, we as aunts and uncles, we as friends and neighbors, how can we help the generation coming behind us to understand? Don't be worried about what you see. We've been through crisis before. Understand that we're built to last because Jesus Christ has already overcome the world. We have Jesus. We can call on the name of Jesus. We can pray to Jesus. We can, we can call those things that are not as though they are because our Heavenly Father hears us and he's faithful to respond and do something about it. Prayer gets us through. Fasting gets us through. Serving the Lord with gladness gets us through, even when it hurts. That's right. Service gets us through. This generation coming behind us needs us just as much. We needed that generation that went before us. They taught us how to be built the last. We understand how to make it. We've tested. We're battle tested. What can we do for that generation that's coming behind us? Then there's this comparison to building on the sand and I liken this to the, uh, the world and how we give way to philosophy and science and technology and humanism. Sometimes our greatest battle is just ourselves. Is it better to trust an all-knowing, all-seeing God or what we think or what the computer tells us when we press the button? Google, Google got it all figured out, right? Jesus had said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. All folks want to know is how they can make it through. 
You know, a lot of this stuff that we're seeing with the hits online and wanting to go viral and wanting to be on the internet, folks just want to be accepted. They want to understand that, that they are somebody and that they're special. The internet doesn't have to tell them that. We know that everybody that God made is special because he said in his word that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The image of beauty that we see on, in Hollywood and in the magazines and, and, and what it takes to be a, 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 a beautiful woman these days in terms of Hollywood standards and uh, glamour and all of that. We don't have to turn to the world for that. The Lord made women beautiful. We don't need the world to define beauty. God does that. Strength and power and, 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 and our ego in terms of, of, of wanting to be dominant and being the man, number one, the king. We don't need to be king. We have a king. His name is Jesus Christ. And it's in him that we live and move and have our being. So the wrestling match, a lot of times, is it's within our own selves of whether we're going to follow the way of the Lord and trust him and what he's already said about who we are and whose we are. Or are we going to stand on what the world is telling us? If you want to be this or that, you got to follow these steps. You got to go to these schools. Wear these clothes. Say these terms. Built to last. And lastly, to be built to last, you have to keep the faith through test of trial. When the rain comes and the flood comes, that's beating up against the roof. And if you get a lot of rain like I do, sometimes the water will leak into your basement. You know, sometimes you have a sump pump to take care of that. But, but the foundation can, can, can have some cracks and fractures in it if the foundation isn't right. The foundation is right here at Middle Street Baptist Church. Because it's founded on that rock. Jesus. And we have to build on it. You're built to last because the Holy Spirit is working in and through this church. And we have to build on it. We're built to last because of the pastors that have come through here and you supported them. You built the last because of your faith, not just the, the one time where you accepted Christ, but your constant stepping out on faith time after time after time, trusting the Lord. That's how you built the last. Even though you've gone through challenges here, now, you know, I'm looking at this church, the building, I'm saying, I'm looking at this church building. It looks beautiful. I'm sure it wasn't easy getting this work done. There were some challenges. People had to come together, and that's not always as easy as it sounds. But the work got done because the Lord was in it. And this building only reflects what you feel on the inside about your commitment to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how you're built to last. 
with a spirit of cooperation, a spirit of collaboration, a spirit of unity. You're built to last because you're letting the Lord lead you. Even though certain folks are not your favorite cup of tea, it's okay. It's okay. But because you prioritize your relationship with God first and your commitment to him and you're following his example, that's how you know you're built to last. And the congregation has benefited from that down through the years. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, where you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifice God is pleased. Read from you from the book of James and the book of Hebrews. You built the lash because you found it on the rock and that rock is, once again, Jesus Christ. And so keep your hope in Jesus. Keep your faith in Jesus. Keep carrying on praying every day to Jesus. Keep working together knowing that Jesus is leading you and guiding you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but hold trust in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground it's sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before God's heavenly throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And because we're standing on faith in Jesus Christ, we're built to last. God bless you.